we need to better understand from a data perspective what a specially trained school resource officer does. School boards want to hear this. Communities want to hear this. Administrators want to hear this because they want to know what good work SROs are doing other than arresting kids and preventing active shooters. You're intervening. You're intervening in the lives of kids that need someone. And now, the Safety Zone. Welcome, folks, to another episode of The Safety Zone, and we're here actually with part two of our conversation with Mike McCarty that we had in part one regarding SRO, but today we have a guest who is an SRO and well and above that, very involved in that profession, and we're really going to glean from him. And Mike, you know him well, and so we're going to have you introduce our special guest today. Yeah, absolutely. And just to put it out there, Chase is coming to us live from the National School Resource Officers Association Conference down in Orlando, Florida. So literally pulled him out in between sessions to talk to us a little bit. But yeah, Chase and I met, I think about four years ago, we sat on a panel at the Indiana State House on a discussion related to school safety. He gets it. I could tell he got it. He's a prevention-based guy, and we just formed a quick friendship at that point. So, Chase, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'll tell you, it is such an energizing conversation to have, and, and no better time uh, in our profession's history to have it. So thank you so much uh, for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. We got a little bit to talk about, but before mm. we jump in, why don't you help our listeners kind of have a better understanding of everything you have done and are currently doing in and around working as a police officer in schools? Yeah, so I've been a school resource officer full-time now for uh, nine years. Had the opportunity to start out in uh, Decatur Township, which is in southwest Indianapolis. Had the opportunity to start a school police department there, build policy, build procedures that are good for schools, uh, and really saw some success there. Left there and went to Avon, which is just west of Indianapolis, and did the same thing. Started a school-based police department. We have an incredible team in place there and really get to do some good work. In addition to my day job, I also serve as the president of the Indiana School Resource Officers Association. We have the mission to provide really good training, network, provide good networking opportunities, and connect our membership to the best resources available in school safety. And that mission is accomplished most of the time at the Indiana School Safety Conference each year and really enjoy that role, having the opportunity to help other SROs around the state. We work with some legislative issues, work with policy issues quite a bit. So certainly an honor to do that. And then I also serve on the national board of directors for the National Association of School Resource Officers. I serve as the chairman of the training committee there, where we revise, review, implement curriculum that certifies school resource officers around the country. So certainly humbled and privileged to be a part of such an incredible profession and the opportunities the Lord's given me throughout the, the course of my career. Well, let's jump right into that. That last statement you made about being the director of this training mm -hmm. for NASRO, the policy, I think let's, let's just be transparent here. There's this huge national discussion. There's this whole defund police movement that started. It's moved to the schools. You hear a lot of those opposed to having law enforcement in schools talking about, oh, it's nothing but a pipeline to prison. And I told some on an interview earlier this week, I said, a lot of that is emotion driven. Like there's no data. And what data does exist tends to be 
police incident report. So an incident report's taken. Well, of course, that's going to skew it and and because you're only getting data when an incident that rises to the level of law enforcement intervention is taken. So first of all, what's the mood at NASRO this week? As I'm sure these conversations are coming up maybe in session, but at least in the hallways. And then as this training committee, how is this impacting what, what you're doing moving forward? Well, I'd tell you, sensible people don't call to defund the police. And what, what they really want is a good human to show up when they do call the police. And yes. they want the human to be well-trained. That's what people really want. Sensible people don't ask to defund the police. And they tend to be the vocal minority when they do. That is not even the sentiment of most groups you would align with that, that think align with that. It's simply not the majority. Here at NASRO this week, there has been such an energy to be around like-minded people to invest in in-person training again. So the very best school resource officers, we can be with the best training available. We have just had so much energy and passion underlying what we do because anyone who is familiar, even semi-familiar with school resource officers, know the deep-seated honor that those SROs feel being able to impact the most vulnerable, impressionable population of people in our country. And we take that role extremely seriously. Therefore, the professionals that are in school-based policing, we don't, we're not opposed to accountability. We're not opposed to improving our profession. In fact, we desire that. We want that. And where there are bad officers, like there are in any profession, we have a an, an exceeding amount of desire to get them out of the profession as well. So mm-hmm. our sentiment here is that we are so excited to have the opportunity to train and to get better because that's who most SROs are. So this week has been incredible to that effort. The difficulty though of calling for defunding the police of the replace SROs and, or remove SROs and replace them with social workers. Again, those things are being driven by an incomplete set of data and a narrative from people who don't understand the profession. So Mike, our challenge right now in our profession is to quantify the good work that school resource officers do. And the data sets that we currently have don't tell that story. They don't tell the story of the anecdotes that occur every day, the life impacting situations that SROs perpetuate in their schools, the lives that are positively impacted because of good people with good training who are serving as school resource officers. Well, you just dropped a bunch there, and we're going to come back to the how to quantify because you came to me about three or four months ago. So we're going to talk about quantify, but to follow that same path, one of your good friends who's a school resource officer, DJ Chef, you know, one of the things DJ told me years ago, he's with the Carmel Schools and Carmel Police Department with suburb of Indianapolis, was not just any police officer belongs in the school, right? And somebody mentioned a while back the, the officer at Parkland. I've had a lot of family members in law enforcement. My grandfather, my dad, older cousins, my brother still is, my wife retired. My brother worked in the schools as an SRO before he became an administrator. My older cousin spent like 12 or 14 years in Columbus, Ohio in the schools. But I've also seen when it first started, a lot of officers thought they could retire on duty, which it appears what may have happened in Parkland. That's kind of what that guy looked like, maybe. Can you speak into what goes into recruiting officers? That goes into policing in general. That's a big part of the problem when you get a bad apple. That's a whole different conversation. But how do you recruit? What are you looking for 
mm-hmm. when you bring somebody into the schools? Mm-hmm. Mike, we have three types of SROs that we try to avoid. The first one is Johnny Ketchumall, the guy who is really overzealous about being a police officer. He's the guy that you'll see in all of the tactical with the sunglasses and the tech vest. We try to avoid Johnny Ketchumall. The second one you referenced, Mr. Retired on Duty. We couldn't find a good place for this guy on the street. He's a nice man, though. He's a nice, nice lady, but they're retired. They're on the back end of their career. They need to coast out with something, probably a little overweight, probably, you know, really nice and just ready to find a cush gig. And they misperceive that is going to be in the school building until they get there. And they're like, hey, whoa, I'd rather go out to the street where there's a less action all the time. At least I can find a parking lot to duck into. Retired on duty doesn't work. And then the third type is Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers is oh. going to Mr. Rogers is going to welcome everyone into the office, but not going to be that officer who responds to a fight, who responds to an irate parent threatening mm-hmm. steps, certainly not going to respond to an armed assailant inside that school. So we need to avoid all three of those and carefully select someone who is equipped and is ready to work in schools. Here's what we look for. Somebody with a good disciplinary history on their department. We typically try to look for an experienced officer so they can navigate the criminal justice system, understand the context of the criminal justice system, understand the law well so they can apply it and be relied upon to do a good job in those schools. We look for somebody, and this is, this is some knowledge now, let me use my expertise and dumb this down. We like somebody who likes kids, crazy kind of kids. That's helpful. Yeah, I know that's over your head, but to work in a school, we really want to champion selecting officers who like kids, who want to be there, who have chosen to be there and not forced off of the road into a detail they hate. We want somebody who likes kids and who are willing to be flexible and dynamic with those very specific situations that are relatable to kids. And they have to be somebody, most of all, most of all, they have to be somebody who is willing to invest in relationships. We say that relationships is the axis upon which everything spins in our world as school resource officers. They've got to be good at building relationships with students with staff, with administrators, with parents, and other local agencies. Without those things, they're going to have a really hard time in that role. And so we do our best to find those people. And I'll say this anecdote often. We need to hire the person. We look for the person that is humble enough and flexible enough to get down on one knee and wipe a booger off a kid's nose or to read a book to a Mm -hmm. kindergarten class. That same officer needs to be willing to draw their weapon, point it at another human and pull the trigger to end the situation if they're trying to come into the school to kill other humans. That's a really hard, that's a really hard place to be. Those are two extremes that we need to exist uh, in the role of a school resource officer. So incredibly difficult to find, but we are finding SRO processes becoming more competitive because other officers are seeing the impact that that position is making rewarding. Exactly. And and Mm -hmm. I've joked so much that I got into policing because I had so many family members. And you say this in an interview, some the the chief's board, I can remember they say, why do you want to be a police officer? And everybody says, what? I want to help people. And you really, most officers do. And then 12 months after I hit the streets, I was like, man, we don't help anybody. We are so reactionary. So you get good people get so frustrated in this career if they're not in the right agency because it just takes away what they really want is a rewarding career. 
Yeah, especially those officers who are really humping on the road and they're arresting guys for serious crimes only to see those charges dropped or pled down to something so much less. That takes the the wind out of the sails of really good police officers. And then even seeing real tangible impact only happens in those short anecdotes when somebody's willing to come back and say, hey, thanks for helping me, or when they're willing to, or, or when the officer solves a crime. Those things are so impactful. And the profession of law enforcement is incredibly honorable. But the advantage to being a school resource officer is the tangible impact you see in such a short amount of time. We get to invest in a kid and see them finish the year and not get any more discipline referrals. We get Mm -hmm. to invest in a kid and see them improve academically on the next report card. We get to invest in a kid and ultimately see them graduate high school and say, thank you for helping keep my butt out of the criminal justice system. I couldn't have done that without you. And then when you multiply that across hundreds and and sometimes thousands of students, my goodness, what better work could you get into as a police officer? You're intervening. You're intervening in the lives of kids that need someone to pay attention to the trajectory they're on or just, you know, to the struggles they have. And, And to think of that, like what you were saying, to see them improve and to see them graduate, you're, you're, you're shaping, you're shaping wonderful adults out of the schools. And I, I, I think of, and Mike and I have talked a lot about Parkland because of the young man and there was so many red flags and the experiences losing both of his parents. I mean, there was just so much there that if there had been someone to intervene in this young man's life, not only obviously, majorly protecting the lives of, of all those sweet kids that, that are gone, but, but even interjecting into this young man's life to put him on a different trajectory. Yeah, that Parkland incident is fresh in my mind this week because we heard of Chief Tony Postizi, who was involved in that incident and, and shared with us the details of that situation again. And here's the reality. This is something that combats a popular narrative in our society right now. You cannot detach law enforcement interaction inside of a school. You cannot do it. Crime occurs often in a school. The difference is you have somebody who is, who first of all, wants to be there, understands kids, understands prevention and warning signs, understands context of why behaviors are occurring rather than the re- just simply a result of underlying symptoms, you cannot detach law enforcement interaction. So which one would you want? A general practitioner who is a good patrolman, maybe doesn't understand kids, or somebody who specializes in kids and starts to understand those behaviors that manifest that we may be able to intervene in, particularly in the context of a relationship which is so much more powerful. A lot of kids are starting to lose a little bit of respect for the bads too because of what they see in the media, but they're not going to lose respect for me if they have a relationship with me. And that's where we're trying to get to is having officers stop just working part-time in a school once every two weeks where you lose the benefit of a relationship. We want officers and departments to invest in those relationships that are consistent long-term so that we can see behavioral changes so that we understand what those protocols and practices are in those kids and in those schools so that we can best deal with it in proper context. And you build trust, which for kids, especially adolescents, is, is, a, is a huge component. Absolutely. Well, I'd follow along those same lines, Chase. You talk about you know recruiting and you look at what is happening in policing across the country right now is you got a mass exodus, right? We're losing all of our good officers. We're losing all of our experience. How do you recruit 
we had Dottie Davis on, I don't know, maybe a month ago talking about this 30 by 30, trying to get more women in policing. So as you try to recruit more women, more minorities, what better opportunity than to have school resource officers building relationships? Because we don't want just somebody to go into policing because their mom did, their dad did. We want people that want to come into policing that may have no concept what policing is. They can help change kind of the nature of some of the things that are happening in policing. So I assume that as an SRO, the impact you make will drive some students to want to become police officers that never would have before. We just heard that feedback from a young lady at our high school prom this year. She informed us that she was going to go study criminal justice because she saw the work we did, loves kids, loves law enforcement, wanted to marry the two. That relationship that she had with the high school SRO encouraged her to enter the profession of law enforcement. You're right. We call SRO work the best form of community-based policing because of, again, the relationship. We're able to combat the idea of policing that kids see on TV and personalize that into a relationship and show the tangible impact that has. And so we hear that quite frequently, which is, again, very rewarding and a very rewarding, uh, an immediate reward for those officers working in schools. Well, as we kind of walk through some of that, help the listener understand the difference between, there's a lot of, and this tends to be, in my experience, and I could be completely wrong here and please call me out if I am, but it tends to be something I see more in large urban police departments or school districts where they have a police department where that's what that police department does. It functions solely as a police department within the school district. They're not specially trained as a school resource officers. So kind of help the listeners understand when people are talking about police in schools, there's two different paths to having police in schools. Yeah, there are all kinds of models for school-based policing. There are some better than others. Again, I have a tremendous amount of honor and respect and affection for any law enforcement officer who's willing to put on a uniform and a badge, go to work and say, you're not going to hurt anybody on my watch today. There is also a training component that is absolutely necessary to any work we do as police officers, particularly in schools where we have such a vulnerable population, such a special set of skills required to be successful with law that is very specific to how we are to operate in a school uh, with policy that is very different than it would be on the street, best practices that are very different than it would be on the street. So you have one group of officers and we will lump all law enforcement officers in together that have not been trained to work in a school. And they have very good sometimes general law enforcement training. So if your goal is to stop an active shooter, they'll do all right for you. It'd be just fine. To be proficient at it. If your goal is to build relationships and have a long-term school resource officer program, that requires specific training for school-based policing. And even more than that, it requires a, a good curriculum. The National Association of School Resource Officers has been called the gold standard of training SROs by the Department of Justice because of the efficacy that we've shown in our curriculum and how we've trained officers since 1991. And so that training component to understand the adolescent brain, understand special needs, understand trauma and violence and victimization and its impact on the brain, understanding the specifics of school law, how we deal with diversity in our schools. Those are topics that are very particular to school resource officers. 
if you don't have that context, if you don't have that training, you'll figure it out eventually, but you run such a risk of damaging relationships, damaging futures in the meantime, simply because you don't know any better. Not because you have malice, not because you're incompetent, but because you don't have the specific training required to do a job. Like I often say this, police departments are so quick. When we have a SWAT operator join a new team, we don't say, hey, why don't you just go out, try that sniper thing out for a little while and you know, you'll pick it up eventually. Come on out on the calls with us and we'll get you going. You'll pick that up eventually, right? Or the guy that's going to breach the door. Hey, you know what? You're going to go on up there in the stack and you'll figure it out. Talk to the guys for a little while and you'll be all right. We don't give a guy a dog. We don't say, hey, you'll figure out this canine thing eventually. You know, go let it get some bites in and and get experience. And you'll figure it out. Read some books and some articles. We don't do that with anything else in law enforcement. But when it comes to this role of the school resource officer, for some reason, it's seen as some part-time job where we're doing parking lot security as an off-duty detail. And it's simply not the same thing. We're around the most vulnerable population of society, uh, the most impressionable population population of society, and the portion of society that may have the longest-term ramifications if we don't operate with them correctly. And so the goal is to provide every officer with training, with 40 hours of our NASRO basic training before they get too involved in their SRO career as soon as possible. It's completely transformative to almost everyone uh, that attends that training. So highly, highly, highly recommend it. Well, as we're talking about this, Chase, you sent me a text, I think back in March, and you said, hey, have you ever thought about, and so we jumped on a call and you said, hey, we, we build software. You use our software systems and security systems in your school district. And you said, hey, we need to better understand from a data perspective what a specially trained school resource officer does. And we need to be able to do it quickly and efficiently. And so we put our heads together. We brought our development team in and we built this SRO app, which is very fast. Use your thumbs. I know preliminarily, some of the data I looked at was very surprising because I think you had said, and I think some of the other school districts and officers said, hey, we're doing about four times what we thought we were doing. We walk into a school and I might have remembered at the end of the day to write down, I went to John Smith Elementary to teach a class, but I had this teacher, this counselor, this principal. I actually did four different things while I was there, none of them enforcement related. And so kind of walk through the importance of this, but kind of why we built this app and, and what this what needs to happen. Well, first of all, I have to say Safe Visitor as a, an organization has been so incredibly impactful at taking an idea that seems very simple and very practical, but so tremendously important, taking that idea and bringing that to life in a way that legitimately can change the trajectory of a school police department, that can change the trajectory of an SRO unit or a program, which means that that's ultimately going to impact thousands and thousands of lives because of this. And I don't mean to speak in hyperbole or sensationalism. I mean to say that our profession is under attack because of incomplete and incorrect data sets. We have not had a modality to combat that narrative because law enforcement data collection systems don't exist to quantify the data that SROs do. They don't quantify the actions that an SRO does every day. If you're out of your vehicle, which you better be most of the time as a school resource officer, 
You can't type everything into the CAD system or into your reporting system. You can't, you, you don't take all of your runs. A kid getting upset in room 105 in biology class does not come out over the radio. So you can't quantify that call for service. So what I asked Safe uh, Visitor to do was to help develop an app that we could do with paper and pencil, but then it's so much manual work done. You have to go to an office to do it. You have to hope that you quantified it all. And then you have to run a report at the end of the week and just got to be incredibly difficult. What is so incredibly helpful about this app is I can be out of my vehicle in any part of the school that we get cell service very quickly say that was a call for service. It was an an education related incident. So I'm going to click that. So there are these different areas that we haven't been able to quantify until now, until we've had this app. One of them, Call for service of any kind, whether that be, hey, will you come look at the cell phone? Think I got something on. Hey, kid is escalated in the special needs room. Will you go help with that? Hey, uh, I have a kid who is asking uh, some questions that are kind of off. Can you come? Hey, this girl is alleging this. Will you come investigate that? That's a call for service. That is an interaction that you're asking the SROs help with. We have to quantify that because what we hear is, all of these calls for service results in arrests. Most school resource officers from around the state and around the country arrest less kids in a year than they can count on one hand. So then we have these other things like criminal court diversions, these opportunities where we have the ability to arrest the kid because probable cause that a crime committed exists, but we choose something else for them. Instead of arresting the kid, we choose a, a diversion that could be handled administratively or through a mental health program or a behavioral health program or a counseling service or a tutoring service. We have another consequence or another action for them other than adjudication. That has never been quantified in any modality. And it's so imperative and crucial to quantifying what a school resource officer does. Not only that, NASRO champions the triad model of school-based policing, which means the role of an SRO is to mentor, to be a public safety educator, and then do law enforcement. How do you quantify those things? So now this app allows us to quantify how many classroom contacts we have. Every time one of our officers goes into a classroom, reads a book, teaches a lesson, does a presentation, sits on a panel, that is a positive interaction where we are around kids who may not know us otherwise, and they get a positive taste in their mouth, a good taste in their mouth about the SRO that's working in their building. That is absolutely invaluable, but we've never had the opportunity to quantify that before. We have all of these array of options now where we can collect data to show all of the work that an SRO is doing that doesn't currently exist in any CAD system that anyone uses. Mike, it's going to be transformative to the profession because when I took the data that I gleaned from this app to my school board last month and was able to tell them we responded to over 1,000 calls for service this year, only three of them resulted in an arrest. That's 0.0028% calls for service from the SRO that ended up with a student being arrested. That's not the narrative that you're going to see on some of our constant negative news stations or stations that aren't wanting to spin that narrative. And so we have been so incredibly blessed by having that data for the first time ever. I told you this is my ninth year full-time in schools. We've never had the ability to do that. It's going to be transformative. School boards want to hear this. Communities want to hear this. Administrators want to hear this because they want to know what good work SROs are doing other than arresting kids and preventing active shooters. Well, that pretty much sums it up. I think our goal here on this side is just trying to get it out there so it can be used. We've been very fair and not only building this, but in the 
the way we price this. We, we make it so affordable because I believe in what you guys do. You've got family that have done this. And so, A, thanks for bringing the idea. B, thanks for peeling out of some of your sessions down there and giving us really not only the taste of what an SRO is doing, but the energy that you can feel behind how much you love what you're doing. And it really comes through as we talk to you. So Chase, we really appreciate it. It is such an honor. Thank you so much, uh, Mike, you and your team putting this app together. I don't, again, I don't mean to be such a sensationalist, but it has the potential to be transformative in our profession and impact thousands and thousands of lives. So so grateful to be in the position I am to be on the podcast with you today. It's been very meaningful and really appreciate the conversation. Thank you, Chase. We could take a few more SROs like you. I'm telling you, just phenomenal. You're phenomenal. And folks, if you're listening and you want more information on that app, you want more information on SROs in general, just reach out to www.safehiringsolutions.com and we'd be happy to give you more information and direct you to the right people. So thank you, Mike, for another wonderful episode. And Chase, thank you for all that you do for our kids. And I, I know as a parent, I'm sure there's many other parents out there that are very appreciative of all of the SROs. Thank you. Thanks so much. This podcast is sponsored by Safe Ministry Solutions, which offers a 360 security solution that keeps your church, your congregation, and your ministry safe.